Hello and welcome to the Profitable Practice Podcast with me, Andrea Maxim, naturopathic doctor turned healthpreneur. And every week I'm bringing you no nonsense, no BS, actionable strategies to create a practice that is not only profitable, but fully sustainable by you. If you're an action taker like me and want to create a practice that is profitable, then you've come to the right place. Hey guys, it is a new year. Happy new year to all of you. We made it and it is just the beginning of 2016 for me. And this is the first time where I've taken a little bit of time to sit back and reflect and kind of set my goals this year. Not to say that I'm not a goal setter because my goodness, I set goals all the time. Um, But this year was the first year that I really wanted to emphasize goal setting and really plan out how the next year is going to go. Now, with regards to my year in review, that's going to be in next week's podcast. So I definitely encourage you to listen to that one. Um, But for, for today, I really wanted to give some feedback on some of the people that I've been listening to with regards to goal setting and what we should and shouldn't do so that your 2016 or whatever year that you're you're in is the best one yet. And for me, I feel like I just killed 2015. First and foremost, I can't even believe that I've only been doing this for four years. I mean, I keep thinking that, oh, it must be at least five or six years that I've been in practice, but I really only graduated in 2011. And I've basically took the bull by the horns and just went for it. And as I've said in previous podcasts, my reasons for being so gung-ho and so hardcore about everything was that I had the ability to do that. I had the time. I didn't have a husband. I didn't have Aria when I first um, set up practice. Not to say that you can't be successful with a family already established. But for me, I was like, okay, I have the time. I'm going to do as much as I possibly can in as little time as I can so that as my life continues, I can just kind of build off of the hard work that I've done. And isn't that really what our businesses should be doing for us? We shouldn't necessarily have to continue to work on them always, 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 always. We should be able to work in them and allow them to start to um, work for us a little bit more. So that's what I'm really hoping for all of us for 2016 or for the new year. And this may not even be the beginning of the year that you're listening to this. Maybe um, this is halfway through the year, but still goal setting um, is still important and we're going to be discussing how we can break that down. And when you're establishing your short-term and long-term goals, what you need to watch out for. So definitely listen to the entire podcast as I'm sure that you would, because why would you ever turn me off? Ha, just kidding. Okay. Now, when I said that I was I was kind of in this um, just for about four years, and as we know, most businesses, most small businesses typically go kaput after about five years. So I'm happy to say that I'm here to stay. But whether you are just getting started, whether you've been in your practice for three years or five years or 10 years, what I want you to do 
is really sit back and think about as we're moving into this new year, regardless of where you are in the year, think about how far you've come, how far you've come from just graduating, how far you've come in your business, what you've changed, what has worked, what hasn't worked, and how you've grown as a person. Because I can tell you almost every single day I'm learning and growing in some way, shape, or form, and I would assume the same for you. Um, So really think about how you've grown in your business, how your business has grown, and be very, very proud of yourself, of what you've been able to accomplish already. And what I'd like you to do is a little exercise, and I take into account that some people may not have a pen and paper at hand, and I'm certainly not asking you to pull over if you're listening to this in the car, but I want you to at least sit and think about this and especially write them down if you can, is what was your 2015 revenue? And this is gross revenue. And then what was the profit? What did you actually make that you can take home? How many active patients or clients do you have right now? Right now, beginning at the beginning of 2016. Um, How many people are currently on your email list? So whether you have an e-newsletter list or not, you could also count this as how many active patients do you have that you communicate with over email. With regards to Facebook, how many likes do you have on your Facebook page? How many followers do you have on Twitter? How many subscribers do you have on YouTube, etc., etc.? And really think about um, writing down those numbers simply because... What typically tends to happen is we don't see where our successes are coming from. And you want to be able to do this end of the year exercise to to know that a year from now or three months from now or whenever, um, you can really see how much things have grown. The thing even about like a newsletter subscriber is even if you just gain one more newsletter subscriber this year and that person becomes a patient, well, on average, a new patient for me is about $500. So that's a huge um, success for your business. And that is something that you should be um, taking into consideration. What the issue could be is if you look at those numbers and you see, oh goodness, like no numbers have changed. I haven't added any new leads. I um, haven't had any new patients come in at all in the past 12 months because this is us projecting it for next year. Then we have something totally different to talk to. And maybe you want to re-listen to some of my podcasts or consider getting a, um, a business coach like myself or somebody else who can help you out. I doubt that that's really going to happen unless you completely, completely walked away from your business. But what I just want you to do and continue to do every single year or every quarter if you want to is write down these numbers and really see where the growth is is starting to come and where you're really excelling and other areas that you may need to um, work or tweak a little bit for you. So something that I think really helped me stay driven with my practice was Almost as soon as I opened up, I think um, I had just started with my license um, back in September of 2011. It was, I think, by November that I did a dream board um, myself. And that dream board is something that, to this day, 
hangs on my office wall. And when I was, um, before I moved into my condo with my husband, in my old bedroom, I had it sitting or hung, hung on the wall right next to my bed. So I would go to bed looking at it, I would wake up looking at it, and the images were just drilled in my head. And I can't tell you how many times I'll just catch myself going back to the picture of that dream board in my mind and looking at all the things that I have written down and sort of being like, okay, yep, that's kind of come true. This is on its way to coming true. And it's amazing how when you start establishing your goals for 2016 that I, I also want you to write them down. And that's kind of the first um, big thing that we're going to be talking about in a little bit. So whether you are at the beginning of the year, middle of the year, end of the year, we want to start thinking about our goals. We want to imagine what they look like in our mindset. And here's some tips with regards to setting your goals for 2016. So we want to map out what the next year is going to look like for us. Now, if you're a big picture thinker and you want to make the goals for the entire year, you definitely can. However, I strongly encourage you to break your goals up into smaller chunks. So whether you do it um, seven days, 14 days, 30 days, 60 days, but I typically say no more than 90 days at a time. And I think making goals for the next three months leaves us in a pretty comfortable place for the entire year because that means you can reestablish them every single quarter, basically, or every three months. And so when you step back and look at, let's say, your entire year plan, you're going to be like, whoa, this is way too overwhelming. I don't even know how I'm going to be able to accomplish any of these things. And you might actually just say, well, that was a waste of a day and never look at those goals again. But if we can keep the bigger picture in mind, but set smaller chunks with regards to the bigger picture, as I said, three months is usually a good enough time. That allows us to achieve smaller goals, which will motivate us to continue to achieve more goals. No different than people that love to write to-do lists. They get a lot of, um, uh, what's the word, benefit from checking off that to-do list box because they completed that project and then it's exciting to make more to-do lists because then you get to check off more boxes, things like that, right? So um, what I'm going to have us do is stick to 12 weeks, so basically 90 days. I also want you to know that we should be executing and taking action and creating goals on a daily basis, but we want to be thinking a little bit more about our business projections for the rest of the year. And a great resource that I encourage everyone to pick up is called The 12 Week Year by Brian Moran. And a quote that I actually recently posted on my Facebook page came from this book. And it says, the barrier standing between you and the life you're capable of living is a lack of consistent execution. So that's where the rest of the podcast is really going to fall today is, yet we can think about our goals, we can think about planning them for the next 30, 60, and 90 days, but what we really need to establish is a plan that allows us to be successful at consistently executing them. And that book, again, is The 12-Week Year by Brian Moran, and I got mine very simply off of um, Amazon, so you can definitely do that. But before we actually get to the next step, which is physically writing down our goals, I want you to think about the following questions. Number one, what is your vision for 2016? And what that kind of emphasizes is, what type of a lifestyle do you want to live this year? 
do you want a lot of your efforts being put into the business? Do you just want to be running the business as it is? Do you want to be making some big investments? And that also includes personal as well. So what is your vision for 2016? And then the next question to think about is what is it that's actually driving you towards being successful in your business? Are you, um, this is another one, number three, are you spending your time wisely? And maybe you're spending too much in your business and not enough in your life. So think about how you're spending your time. And um, the very last thing we're going to be talking about today is staying away from a lot of the time suckers because there's a lot that we get very easily roped into and we want to avoid those this year. Number four, how do you want to feel at the end of the year? Do you want to really bust it out this year? Are you willing to give up sleep to get a lot of your goals accomplished, but by the end of the year you might be kind of spent? Or do you want this year to be a little bit more of a chillax year and you just want to take a step back and really enjoy life? It's totally up to you. And then the last thing to think about before writing your goals down is what are you willing to give up in order to get everything you want out of this year? That's a very, very big question. When it comes to success and when it comes to balance, and I did do a previous podcast on work-life balance, and now after thinking about it, it's kind of a load of crap. There really isn't any such thing as work-life balance. There's usually something that you're going to have to give up in order to be successful somewhere else. So if you're going to put more emphasis in your business, you're most likely going to lose out on your personal and free time. If you put more time into your personal life, then you're going to have to give up something in your business. Um, so when you're thinking about this year, think about some things that you're willing to give up. Maybe it's something as simple as you're willing to give up cable TV. You're willing to give up Netflix for the next three months in order to get something else out of uh, your life that you weren't necessarily getting because you were just mindlessly watching television. That's a very, very big one. Maybe you want to give up going on Facebook for two, three, four hours of the day or Twitter for whatever many hours of the day. Or maybe those are the things you don't want to give up because that's the only time that you do something mindless for yourself. So these are the things that I want you to think about. So then, of course, once we've thought about our goals and you've kind of given those five extra things to think about for 2016, now we're going to write them down. Because the simple act of writing down a goal typically is when it's going to be more tangible, believable, and it's going to be executable. And the universe typically will manifest it if you're spiritual like I am. They say that you're 42% more likely to achieve your goals if you actually put pen to paper and write them down. The, a thought is very fleeting. So you can have a dream, you can have a thought, um, but writing it down makes it real, it makes it concrete, and it's the first step towards actually translating your intentions that you have for yourself. And as I said, I find that once you've written something down or made it a picture or something like that, that's when you start to notice that things actually start to happen because the universe is always listening. So definitely write it down. So literally, we're going to do that. I'm asking you and I'm going to get a piece of paper myself and we're going to write everything down and we want to write down 
what we want to achieve. But when we write these goals down, we want to make them SMART. And I'm sure a lot of us have heard about that, S-M-A-R-T being specific and measurable, attainable, realistic, and um, timely. So we're going to do the exact same thing. If our patients should be doing that for their goals, then we should be doing that for ours. And what specific and measurable typically amounts to is a physical number. So you want to say, I want to pay off my debt by the end of 2018. Well, debt doesn't give us anything tangible to work off of. Um, maybe that could mean, oh, the universe says, oh, you want to just pay off your credit card debt? Done. But you want to pay off your total debt, and maybe your total debt is $27,806, and that's what you want to have paid off by 2018. You have to be very specific with regards to what you're asking for. Um, just like um, saying, I want to put on five pounds of muscle mass by March. So that gives us not only a tangible number, but also gives us a, a deadline. So March, which is much closer than 2018, which therefore we're more likely to work really hard to achieve that because that deadline is looming much, much sooner. So when we create our goals for the next three months, please make sure that you're also adding in deadlines and deadlines that will expire in the next one, two or three months. That way you have a start starting point, which is typically now. Or it could be maybe next month you're going to start this and you have a finish point so you know when you were able to achieve it. And if you weren't able to achieve it, then you want to start figuring out why that was. Where was it in the that deadline period that you got caught off guard or you went down a tangent or you just didn't make time to achieve that goal? So for example, if your goal is to gross an extra $5,000 a month, so that's an extra $60,000 a year, which is a really awesome goal, then if you just say, I want to gross an extra $60,000 this year, that's a very, very overwhelming blanket statement. And then the next question I have for you is, well, how are you actually going to achieve it? How are you actually going to make that happen? Because if that were me and I were to just put, well, I want $60,000 and just put it up on my dream board and call it a day, I don't really see what my action steps are that are going to help me achieve that. So if we break it down into even the next 30 days, so let's say just this month you want to generate an extra $5,000 a month. Well, one way that we could achieve that is to have more patients come into your office. So let's say each new patient is $150 just for the visit. And on average, if they're anything like mine, they'll spend about $50 worth of supplements on that visit. Maybe more, maybe less. So that means that every new patient that comes into your office is worth at least $200 to your clinic. So if you were to get an extra 25 new patients to join your office in the next 30 days, that would give you your extra $5,000 of um, extra revenue. Now for me, my practice averages about 19 new patients a month and that was just my numbers for the last year. So I think getting 25 new patients in a month is incredibly achievable. But the next question is going to be, well, how are you going to attract these new patients? So one thing that you can do is you can host more local seminars at health food stores. Now, if you're offering it for free, and let's say a conservative 10 people show up consistently to your seminar, and of these you get one to two new patients, then you're going to have to do a lot of seminars in order to get that $5,000 just that way. 
But let's say, for instance, you charge for the seminar. So you charge $10 per person. And you have 10 people that buy it consistently every single seminar. That's $100 per seminar. So even if you booked 10 seminars a month, that would be an extra $1,000. And from those, you got two new patients with every single seminar. That's 20 new patients at $200 each. That's $4,000. There, there you have your um, $5,000 of extra revenue. So that means that you're going to have to put a lot of effort into doing these seminars and hopefully get the numbers that we've discussed. But it gives you an idea of what I mean when it comes to how important it is to really break down your goals so that they're a lot easier for you to understand how to execute them and therefore they're more likely to happen because you know exactly what steps and measures you need to take. Um, and I was actually just listening to a webinar by Michael Hyatt on the top 10 mistakes for goal setting. And he says that most people should never have any more than five to seven goals set at a time, capping at an absolute amount of 10 goals at a time. And what you want to do is with these small number of goals, you want to execute them with laser focus. That's exactly what he says. And by having smaller number of goals, you're more likely to achieve them and not get overwhelmed. So certainly don't be writing down 30 goals that you want to achieve in the next three months because that might be a little bit, um, a little bit of an overachievement. And I want to make sure that you're successful. The other thing we want to do, and this is kind of tying into focus, is we want to focus on one program or service and consistently execute it. So what I strongly encourage you to do for the next three months is think about what aspect of your business could you really hone in on and promote? What is it um, the area of your business that might be generating you the most money? So for me, it's my seven-day detox program. And so I'm really trying to hone in on that with my patients because that's the one that they keep coming back to me more and more for. But maybe your goal for the next three months is to get more leads. Maybe that's all you want to do is just generate more e-newsletter leads or new patient leads or something like that. So I would say that the best way to do it and the uh, most um, rewarding way to do this is to be consistently top of mind every single week with whatever it is that you do. So maybe you want to start doing um, a 52-week blog slash newsletter. So for the next week or two, create all the content. It's going to take you a long time, but it's going to be worth it in the end because you kind of set it and forget it. Um, create all the content that you want to write about, and they could just be small little blurbs. Set it all up in an automating um, newsletter software like MailChimp if you want a free one. Aweber, I use Infusionsoft. It doesn't really matter. And as I said, just get it all stringed up, set it, and forget it. Or maybe you want to do more videos or audio, um, things like a podcast. You can do a lot of these things well in advance. So maybe spend... Um, a day, eight hours, and bust out as many videos or as many podcasts as you can. And then again, set it up so that every Sunday you have it ready to post and you don't have to think about it for the rest of the year. With regards to Facebook and Twitter, those things typically have to be done daily. So set that up. Every single morning at 7 a.m., you're going to like or share or post something onto your Facebook page and see if that helps it to grow a little bit more. But the key is is I can't tell you um, how far it will go if you want to stay top of mind for current or prospective patients that you have to be putting an emphasis 
on giving out weekly content that your patients and future patients or clients are wanting from you because if you don't do that on a weekly basis, there's really no point in doing anything else with regards to your business. And that was something that Amy Porterfield emphasized on one of her goal-setting podcasts is that if you aren't keeping your current list top of mind and excited to continue to work with you, they're not going to tell their friends and you're not going to generate any new leads because they're going to hear from you once in a while and then never hear from you again. They're going to forget about you. And then when that new person that starts being top of mind comes along, well, they're going to start to work with that person instead. So this is a really great um, segue into another aspect of goal setting, which is rethinking your avatar this year. An avatar, don't think of the movie because that's not really what we're talking about, but an avatar is basically that person that if you were to sit across from at a coffee shop, what would they look like? Who would you be talking to? How would they be dressed? You know, how much money would they make? Are they male or female? What's their age group? What are their health concerns? What are they typically having issues with? So whether you want to hone in just on your avatar or just your um, T-pop, your target population, these are the things that you really, really need to take some time to sit and think about. So for me, when I really sat back and saw the type of people that I was attracting in my practice, they're predominantly women, usually mothers of one or two children, making... Um, um, decent income, so they're about middle class, and they're usually between the ages of 37 and 40. I don't know what started happening in 2015, but I found more women coming into me that had just turned 37 or they found their life started to fall apart at 37, but that seems to be the target age group for me. So that's sort of my avatar. And I know that these people like to go to the gym. I know these people like to read. A lot of them are teachers. So that sort of thing. So I know exactly how I need to communicate with them. So definitely rethink your avatar for 2016 and really do the best you can to hone in on them with your verbiage and your language. And you have to be consistently talking to these people every single week. And I want you to understand this as well, is that the business cards and the brochures and the brand new website and all the new branding and colors that you've been putting into your business won't mean anything if you're not talking to your audience. More than ever, the people that are buying our services, that are using social media, they want to be communicated with, they want to connect with someone who understands their pain, they really, really want to hear from you, but if you're not talking to them, they're not going to be listening. So please, please, more than anything else in this podcast, if you're going to pick something, you have to do it consistently and you have to be top of mind. And if you're having difficulty understanding how to set up or how to think about that avatar and you want to run some ideas by me or you want me just to use as a sounding board, definitely contact me on my website, maximizedbusiness.ca. So as I mentioned, for me, my seven-day detox program, which I've talked a lot about, um, and, I, and I will talk about it again in more detail next week as well, it has really been my sort of turnkey program. And so... What I kept hearing from people is, what do I do next? After I've done this cleanse and I feel so great and I've lost anywhere from 5 to 10 pounds and for the first time my hair is coming in really wonderful and I have energy, 
I, I just don't know what to do next. And the maintenance, of course, is the part that most of our patients and clients have the, the hardest time with. So I busted my butt and I put together a passive program that is 14, 21, and six weeks long that just offers more food-based advice with recipes and a complete meal plan that patients could purchase if they wanted to. Or if they wanted to... Um, see me more one-on-one, -on -one, I also launched a 12-week accountability program, which is, um, you know, very inexpensive. It's $20 a visit for 12 weeks, as are the um, passive programs, which start as low as $27 a, a program, and that's for the 14-day, and very low risk. So that's what I wanted to um, do was offer something that was t incredibly inexpensive. It doesn't cost me a lot of my time. So my in-office visits are 15 minutes with these people. Um, and it just holds them accountable and it gets them in. And the more you can offer people accountability, someone to talk to, um, and they get results, my goodness, that's where the word of mouth is going to come from. Now, just quickly going back to my seven-day detox program, what I've done for you guys, and I'm also really, really proud of um, what I did because I just launched this. I haven't actually launched it, launched it, so you're one of the first people that are hearing about it, is I've bundled it up together all for you. I made it completely done for you, ready to be branded by you, ready to add in your own personal flair to talk to your personal patients and clients. And that is something that you can check out in the show notes, as well as the link here, which is maximizedbusiness.ca forward slash seven day detox program. And I think you're going to love this. And if you want something that's going to quickly pay for itself, honestly, within one patient or client, it's going to pay for itself. And it's going to continue to draw patients in and have them continue to come back to you multiple times a year. This is the program for you. So again, it's in the course notes, but the link is maximizedbusiness.ca forward slash seven day detox program. And I know you're going to love it. And I put it together with you in mind because having little turnkey automated programs that make a ton of money is pretty nice to have when it comes to reaching your goals for this year. So um, with regards to the 12-week program, just quickly going back to that as well, I, I really wanted to use things like kick your butt and accountability. And that was those were the words that patients really connected with. They're like, yeah, I need someone to continue to kick my butt. And, you know, we know that everybody knows what they need to be eating and how they need to be eating and how they need to be exercising. But it's very, very difficult to do it alone. Um, so with every single person that bought that. And when I launched it, I think I launched it in October. I've had at least 10 patients um, buy into that program, which has done wonders at filling up my schedule well in advance. And so that's an extra $240 um, per person. So times 10, that's almost an extra $2,500 in my pocket for really not offering much more than just my one-on-one -on -one support. And that is something that I'm definitely going to be carrying into the new year and really pushing it as a mainstay program in my practice. But for you, maybe weight loss is just not something that you want to get invested in. Maybe it's more like a fertility program or a digestion program or maybe something around IV therapy or something around a specific um, diet program like a FODMAPS diet or a GAPS diet or a elimination diet. Honestly, guys, just take a day or two 
and really look back at some of the chief complaints that your patients slash clients are coming to you the most often for and think about where your patients are achieving success but then they start falling off the wagon and how you can stop them from dropping off and what you can offer them that's going to continue to give them more success and therefore more word of mouth and more reason to come and continue to see you. And you really need to hone in on those pain points, the reasons why people are seeking you out. And the nice thing is, is only 5% of the population will really stick to a program after they've learned it and maintain it for the rest of their lives. And these typical, these people typically, excuse me, are more military based. So they are all about regiment. They're all about this is what I have to do, routine, da, 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 da. Um, most of our patients, I would say, typically aren't that sort of mindset based. So think about how you can change up your business and offer them something and add that into your goal list of something you would like to achieve. And I, I think it's going to pay off in dividends, just spending a few days thinking about what's something new that I can offer my patients. And if you're not too sure, what I do consistently is send out surveys and questionnaires to my patients. And I'll ask them, you know, I'm thinking about doing this, what do you think? Or if I were to create this program and it would look like this, would you be interested? And kind of get an idea of where people fall. Um, and even after um, people read my book, Maximized Health, I send them out a survey asking them what they thought about the book. After they do my seven-day detox, I send them out another survey saying, how did you find the detox program? And I'm constantly asking for feedback on how I can make things better. So I think this is going to be tremendously important for you to do this year is just give your patients what they're asking from you already and just offer it really well and consistently offer it and have that be sort of your new lead generating tool or your new tool to get patients that haven't seen you in a long time to come back and see you. Because I don't know about you, but I, on my um, patient files, I always put the year uh, stickers on them. So you know how in doctor's offices you'll see um, 14s or 15s or now it's 16s on the end of a file? Well, I started doing that with mine. And it's been kind of a little game for me where every year they change color. So I then look at my um, book, uh, my filing cabinet, and I say, okay, there's a lot of dark greens here from 2014. We need to change those into the blues because the blues were 2015. And how, you know, how many patients left do we have that didn't switch over? And it also allows you when you go back into your old files to see how far back some of the people have been without you having to look at the last actual scribed appointment. So that is a little sidebar tip that I think you should also do this year is start tracking something on the end of your patient file if you have them. I know a lot of us have gone into electronic medical records so you can't necessarily do that with your physical file but I found that to be kind of a really fun little game to see oh yeah this person was from 2013 and now we're getting the orange um, stickers back into my filing cabinet. So anyways. Um, now the other thing that I wanted to talk about was after my crazy tangent was how we can start saying no to time suckers. Now the most obvious ones that I can think of would be things like television and Netflix and Facebook and things that without even knowing it an hour or two has gone by. 
So what I strongly encourage you to do for 2016 is think about how you're going to be using your time a little bit more wisely. And when I say that, it doesn't have to be around your business. It could also be around um, reestablishing personal goals that you have for your lifestyle and um, how you can regain that energy back. So um, I have talked about automation in previous podcasts, and I would definitely encourage you to listen to those. One was my interview with Chris with Appointment Core. Another great one was with Megan Walker. She's a naturopath in Toronto, and we talked a lot about how automation literally saved her $50,000 last year because she just had so much more time and you have to think about what your time is on an hourly figure. So my hourly rate is 160. So every hour I'm spending doing mundane, stupid tasks like filing and phone calling and stuff like that, I'm spending an awful lot of money wasted that I could be putting into making my business work better. So I would definitely encourage you to listen to those podcasts, but this year, I really want you to pick and choose things that won't monopolize your time and only help you feel more fulfilled personally and improve your bottom line. So what is it that you love to do with your time? And what is it that you'd rather be doing? So. By the second part of that question, you know, maybe presentations are something that you like to do, but you don't really love to do. So you'd rather be blogging or you'd rather be making videos or maybe you'd rather be doing more group um, coaching or group um, sessions as opposed to one-on-one. So really think about what is it that you really love to do, what is it that you'd really like to start doing more of, and what is it that you'd rather not be doing if you could be doing something else. And also think about what you could be accomplishing with your time if you had kind of a carte blanche, no one was going to distract you, no one was going to bother you. What could you literally think that you could accomplish with your time if you invested the time into it? So for me personally, I really like doing seminars. I really like putting together presentations and thinking about how they're going to flow. That's the reason why I also like doing YouTube videos and podcasts because I make all of my notes um, well in advance and then I just kind of run off them um, as a template but then add my own sort of spin into it. What I do not like doing is I don't like writing or blogging stuff. I'll do it occasionally but I'm certainly not going to be adding a blog post to my website every single day or um, writing a big long Facebook post. You know, I'll write little things or I'll share things but writing and copy is just not for me. Um, And I promised myself that I wasn't going to try to do everything that everybody else was doing. So, you know, I know that they say you should be blogging and you should be um, social media posting, you should be sharing and liking and you should be doing all this stuff, but I personally just want to do what I really like to do. And if it's not going to give me a good return on investment or ROI, then I'm really not going to be putting a lot more effort into it. So for instance, um, a thing that I find is a huge time sucker for me and I always dread is going to conferences. And I and this is where you actually man the booth, not being just a guest lecturer or something like that. So I, I, I did it because I felt that I had to. I did it because I knew there would be a lot of people that would come to my booth and maybe I'd get a lot of new patients out of it. But consistently after doing it for the past three years, 
I can't think of too many people that have come to me since those um, conferences. I find I get more from seminars because it's a lot more intimate. It's a lot more one-on-one -on -one and I get an hour to an hour and a half to really sell them on me and my personality versus a two-minute sort of drive-by, what are you offering for free sort of thing. Um, while it is re really good at generating like a list of people, it's not so profitable for me at generating new patients. So this is something I'm really going to be saying no to from now on is attending a conference where I have to be at the booth. Because when you're at the booth, it's setting up at 8 a.m., um, you're standing there for a good 10 to 12 hours, closing down, and by the end of it, you're just spent because it's so much of you needing to be on your best game, smiling, being so inviting. If I have other people that I can pay to run my booth, for sure, I'll do conferences, but I'm not going to be doing them anymore. And the other thing that I've been hearing um, lately from other um, marketers, email marketers or practitioners is that if you're going to do it, honestly, you kind of have to do it. So if it comes to creating images and graphics and stuff like that, you could totally hire anybody to do that. You can go onto Fiverr and pay somebody $5 to put together a graphic for you or go onto Canva and do it for free. Um, but when it comes to verbiage, when it comes to words, I think people can really hear your personality coming through if you write it. And if you hire people or if you do um, like ghost writing or guest posting or guest blogging or whatever, and you pass it off as your own and it doesn't sound like you at all, I don't think it's going to be worth your time or effort. So when it comes to things that I know you can definitely hire people to do for you, there's something to be said about um, when you put the intention out, when you put your energy into a piece, you're more likely to get people to respond to it because they connect with you versus the person you just hired because you felt you needed to put that information out there. So what I really want you to do is focus on doing more things that you want to do, more things that you're really good at, more things that you love. Like for me, it's going to be podcasting and YouTube videos and stop doing the stuff that you feel that you have to do just because somebody else is doing it and try not to hire people to do it again just because you feel like you need to do it. And if there is, excuse me, sorry, I just had like a lump in my throat there. If there's something you can do to automate your business, then automate it for goodness sake. <laughs> um, in previous podcasts, as I've said, I've mentioned how valuable it is to automate things. And even if all you do is just automate your booking, so everybody has to do online booking, or hire a personal assistant or receptionist like I did this year, um, get automation and these people to do the no-brainer, mundane, day-to-day -day things when you could be putting your effort into spending time with your family or sleeping or um, something else in your business that you've been dying to do. Even my um, receptionist, when I think about the time when I was doing it all, I was doing the reception work, I was doing the, um, you know, the clinician work, and then I see what she does. She works in my office anywhere from 10 to 15 hours a week times four weeks, that's at least 40 hours a week that I'm saving myself at $160 an hour, by the way, um, 
from wasting my time on. So it gives me more time to eat lunch maybe or create the programs that I want to create or launch the material on the web that I want to launch. And any of those mundane tasks that my receptionist or my automated software is doing really isn't going to be affecting my bottom line, so to speak, when I could be working on other things that are definitely going to generate my my um, return on investment. That's not to say that they're not helpful, but it's not the biggest thing that you need to be working on. Other people can do that. Um, so promise me that when you're writing your goals down for the next three months, you'll make managing your time better, one of them as well. And then the final thing that I want to talk about is making decisions quickly. So what I find is that the more people I coach, the more people I talk to that are struggling in their business or the more people that want to work with me or invest in something that I'm offering that continually say the following things. I'm on the fence. I've heard about this, but I don't know if I should do it. I thought about investing in a program, but I don't really know if I want to spend that kind of money, yada, 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 are typically the people that aren't being very successful in their business because they're not making decisions very quickly. They're letting opportunities pass them by and they're afraid of taking risks. And the, be the best healthpreneurs are the ones that make decisions very quickly and then figure out what they should or should not have done afterwards and use it kind of as a learning experience. Now, I'm not saying this to say that you have to be making a ton of mistakes and throwing a ton of money out the window just to take action quickly. What I'm saying is if you're going to constantly be on the fence, then that's all you're going to be doing is you're not going to be moving forward. You're just going to be stuck there or you're going to be moving your business um, forward very, very slowly. So what I, I need you to start to do, and this isn't necessarily a goal you can write down, but a goal of your mindset for this year is start to weigh the pros and cons of your decisions much faster and then make a decision on it. And you'll find the faster you make these decisions, the more these opportunities and avenues for growth, the more changes that you need to make in your business start to come to the forefront um, much faster. And then you can make these adaptations much, much faster. So your business is going to grow much faster. And when it comes to my business, I find one of the things that I've been very, very good at is making very fast decisions without getting all the details in, you know, what's going to happen, writing it all down. What if I do this? What if this were to happen? What if this doesn't happen? I don't really think about that. I say, you know what? The um, risk of this is quite minimal for the reward that I could achieve. And then I do it and just see how it plays out. Um, so I kind of follow that approach of, yep, let's try it. Or no, this is just not up my alley. This is too risky. I don't care what you think you're offering, if it's the next best thing to slice bread, it just isn't for me, I'm not gonna do it. We never want to freeze ourselves or freeze our progress just because we're a little bit afraid. And what I'll say is it is okay to be afraid of things that you should be afraid of, but being afraid of being afraid is worse than not being afraid at all. So let me say that again, because I think I said that wrong. It is okay to be afraid of things, but you should be afraid of being afraid more than not being afraid at all. And all I'm saying there is making instant decisions 
all the time is not necessarily what I need you to do. You know, think about it for a little while, maybe an afternoon or a full day max, and then make your final decision. And if it plays out perfectly, awesome. If it doesn't turn out the way you wanted it to, that's okay. Use it as a learning experience for next time. And so that's basically it. And the last thing that I just want you to be thinking about is, you know, this entire podcast has been all about goal setting and things that I want you to be thinking about with regards to goals and instructions on how you're going to create them and you're going to make them specific and timely and they're going to have a start point and an end point. Things you want to think about accomplishing, things to think about with regards to adding to your goals like time management and making decisions quickly. But before you go out and write crazy things down, remember no more than five to seven goals at a time, at most 10, and you start planning out the entire year, the entire next three months, every little aspect of your life, think about why doing any of this is important. And what I want you to avoid doing is listing the obvious goals that everyone's going to be writing down. Like I want to get out of debt. I want to make more money. I want to lose weight because some, like I bet most of those goals don't really even matter to you anyway. And if they don't matter to you, then don't do it. Don't do what the status quo says. Don't be a lemming. Think about what really means the most to you. And as I said, if the goal that would make you feel the best at the end of this year is taking a step back from your business, not working as hard and having more time for you and your family and for travel. That sounds like a pretty awesome goal to me. While yes, this is about um, business and business minded things and making your business generate more money for you. That's obviously a great goal to have, but it may not be the goal that you want for this year. So I ask you that whatever you do and whatever goals you choose, make them visible, but really think why is this goal important to me before you start putting a lot of emphasis and energy and asking the universe to make it work for you. But whatever you do, um, definitely make sure that you make them visible next to your bed or in your office or on your bathroom wall, or even if it's in your wallet, if you look in your wallet every day. I had a a focus stone that I had on the console of my car that I would look at every day to remind me to stay focused. Because if what you want is out of sight, then it's also out of mind and the universe isn't going to listen anymore. And what some people do is they'll frame their goals every year and literally look at them Um, from years past to where they are now and see how they've achieved them, what ones they still have yet to achieve, and be proud of it either way. So please make your goals, write them down, think about why they mean um, anything to you, and maybe even share them with me. Share them on our Facebook page, The Maxim Movement. Share them with me on Twitter, at Andrea Maxim, N-D. you know, put them in the reviews, your review of this podcast. And I always love hearing from you. And if there are some things that I can do to help make this year better for you, ways that I can help you achieve your goals, you definitely have to let me know. Because while I love doing this podcast, I'm doing it all for you guys. I'm not doing this just to toot my own horn or, or hear my own voice. I'm doing this to help you guys out because that's really what my number one passion is, is to mentor you guys and make you feel that you have somebody in your corner all the time. So I hope you enjoyed this. Um, definitely listen next week for my year in review to catch some extra tips on some things that you might not have thought about on what you can do to make 
this year the best year yet get in contact with me leave those reviews check out my website check out the seven day detox program at maximizedbusiness.ca forward slash seven day detox program and other than that guys good luck with your goals i'm andrea from the profitable practice podcast and i'm out You guys are killer. Thank you as always for listening to the Profitable Practice Podcast. Leave me a comment and if you haven't already, I would love a review in iTunes. Definitely subscribe to this podcast and leave me a quick review. For those ready to maximize your practice, contact me at www.maximizedbusiness.ca.